Welcome, listeners. Another episode of Caffeinated Innovation, recording here and also airing, of course, from the Innovation Works headquarters here on the north side. I am still Pam Eichenbaum. And I'm still Jen Van Dam. We are so thrilled to have all of you joining us today. We are actually also coming off of a real party last night. Mm. We had the official launch of the 2019-2020 Uprise Challenge. Alphalab gear was hopping. Yeah, great music, great food, great crowd. If you weren't there, check it out on social media. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll have some other write-ups about it soon too. And we're so lucky this morning to have with us uh, really the Uprise team, if you will, and one of the former winners of the Uprise Challenge from the first cycle. And so we're going to we're gonna let our guests introduce themselves in just a second. But before we begin, Jen, tell me, since we are approaching the weekend too, what's what's on your on Ooh. the on the schedule for the weekend? You know, it's summer, but there are still a lot of things that I need to do around the house. So, just you know, working around the apartment, um, making sure everything's perfect for our little dog Tulip. Oh, Tulip! That's yeah, Tulip. Tulip goals. That's yeah. my life goal is to tulip just be also rules the as schedule. pampered as Tulip. So yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Dog stuff. Tulip has her own Instagram, right? She totally does. Tulip the Boston Terrier at symbol in the front. <laughs> Follow Tulip <laughs> and all of Jen's shenanigans with Tulip. What about you, Pam? What are you doing this weekend? So this weekend, so I last weekend I was actually out of town for a wedding. So this weekend it's about catch up for me, mm. some downtime, some mm. sun time. Do you want to babysit Tulip? No. Okay. But thank you for no, asking. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm happy to watch Tulip from afar. That's my preference. (laughs) So let us jump right in with our guest today. We have Kenya Boswell from the BNY Mellon Foundation, Kara Jones from Marinus Analytics, and Erica Friedman, who is the Uprise coordinator. So thank you all for coming. We're excited to talk about Uprise, to learn about this new cycle that has just launched, and to learn about the history of it as well. And really the the format of the program for this year. So Kenya, would love to start with you. We, of course, like to all ask all of our guests before we begin what your favorite form of caffeine is. And then after we go through all the caffeine favorites of the group, we'll, we'll jump into Uprise and BNY and Marinus and this all This is the really important question. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. So Kenya, caffeine, go. I don't understand how it's a question. Coffee, always. <laughs> <laughs> and I even have a specific time, 4 a.m., oh, two cups, <laughs> ice, a little bit of syrup, and yeah. almond milk. Ooh, Kenya. That's amazing. <laughs> so every morning? Every morning. Every morning. 4 a.m. 4 a.m., yes. See, I like aspire to be that the kind of person who wakes up at 4 a.m., but it's never going to happen. <laughs> it's my little Bentley, my little Yorkie. Oh, little okay. Bentley. So see, dog love too. Okay. I get it. <laughs> wow. I, I'm also impressed at the the specificity. What you said, ice cubes. Two cups. Two cups. Splash the, of syrup. Yeah. Almond milk. Wow. Vanilla. How long have you had that specific cup of coffee? It's seasonal. It's seasonal. Oh. Yes. It's, it's going to change once we get into the fall, winter. I can't tell you what. I can't that, tell you oh, what, but okay. it will change. I guess we have to change. have you back Love it. to learn about the other seasonal caffeine drinks. Love Absolutely. It. Yeah. Kara, tell us, what about your favorite form of caffeine? I'm a tea drinker. Me too. Yes. I love English breakfast tea. Mm. Spent a good bit of time in England. Okay. And so I'm really enamored by the tea drinking culture. 
Love it. And Erica, your favorite form of caffeine. I am a caffeine-free lady. I do no caffeine. I am naturally what? caffeinated. <laughs> I can I can attest to this. She is naturally caffeinated. She's got lots of energy. We've gone on plenty of weekend morning walks, and she is ready to go. And I am pre-caffeine, so not so pleasant yet. <laughs> wow. And Jen, what about you? So, you know, I have been trying just cold brew. Mm-hmm. So from the concentrate from Trader Joe's, as I know, it's one of your favorite podcasts, Pam, the, what is it called? It is. The Trader Joe's. Inside, Inside, Inside Trader, Trader Joe's. Joe's. Yeah. Inside Such Trader a good Joe's. podcast. Anyway, so this cold brew concentrate, it's amazing, but I make it wrong every time I make it. You have to add half water, half concentrate, but I just never – it never works like that. So I try to put ice in and I thought that would be enough water. It doesn't work. Always use water. Always use water. So that's that's what I've been trying. And maybe I'm a little bit too caffeinated right now. <laughs> like, it's possible. It's possible. I mean, we did have a crazy night last night, right? It, it was. What about you, Pam? So for me, it's it's an Earl Grey. You know, I'm, I'm going to stick to my tried and true, just like Kenya. It sounds like you too. It's creatures of habit. My Earl Grey tea, I'm enjoying my lovely Earl Grey tea right now as well. You know, you just have to stick to the stick to know what you know you like, and that's that's what gets you going. That's for me, at least. <laughs> so, thank you all for providing us with an insight into your caffeine habits or non-caffeine habits. So, to jump in, would love to know a little bit more about each of you and your backgrounds. Kenya, let's start with you. Tell us about your work at BNY Mellon, and also really the growth of Uprise and how uh, how it came to be. Great. Um, I have the distinct pleasure of supporting our charitable work for the Southwestern PA region. And I like to say I have the best job at the company. I'm not looking for competition right now. I'm planning to be there for a while. So no one, you know, try to take my job. Um, but Uprise really started in 2015 after we had a long standing partnership with the Forbes funds. And that really centered around the Still City Code Fest. There was some amazing innovation that came out of that, particularly focused on the nonprofit sector. And we looked at, you know, Uprise as a way to really scale some of those solutions and really do it on a larger sort of um, a larger way. And since the very beginning, our focus has really um, stayed on how can we help nonprofits run more efficiently, more effectively, or better serve their target audience. And wow, think about it, how many years later, and it's still going strong. We're just starting, what is it, cycle four? Four, okay. Cycle four. Great. So we have three great cycles mm-hmm. in the in, behind us, ready to help you know, really chart the path forward. Absolutely. And it would not have been a price 2.0, 3.0, and now 4.0 without our winners. And I'm so happy that we have Kara with us. Yeah. Today. So that's a great transition. So Kara, tell us a little bit about, about Marinus, please. And then also, how did you come to learn about Uprise? And we can get more into some of the, the impact details later, but some of the initial background and the connection to Uprise. And a little bit about you, because yes. I want to know about you too. Okay, great. Well, Marinus Analytics is a social venture based here in Pittsburgh, and we were the winner of the Uprise, and I believe, was that 2015? Yes. In the fall of 2015. And the core of our work is around providing digital tools for victim-centered policing. 
And we've also grown and we provide um, modern information discovery on unstructured data for the public sector. So we have a new project where we're helping children, youth, and families have insights, greater insights into the case records of families who have been part of human services. And we continue to look for um, new growth opportunities to provide um, modern analytical tools in the public sector. And the, this entire work was started by Emily Kennedy back in her undergraduate thesis at Carnegie Mellon University. And she, um, she studied at the Heinz School, um, was a public policy major, and she was very interested in how technology was affecting uh, human trafficking in the online commercial sex industry. And so um, I met Emily back in 2013. In my background, I am a computer engineer, and I've also studied management of technology commercialization. And I had worked with one of the faculty members who was advising Emily. And so I helped her mentor, mentor her because out of her research, um, re which really started as kind of an academic paper to just try to understand, um, you know, the, the force of technology and how it was affecting public safety and policing, um, she she uh, teamed up with the Robotics Institute and began doing some data analytics with them, uh, data mining, kind of like this online adult content to try to, with an ambitious goal, to try to identify sex trafficking victims within this industry uh, body of data. And the infrastructure that was part of that research became the, the prototype of a tool which we call Traffic Jam. And when I met Emily in 2013, she had been working on this for a couple years. She had a, a few hundred law enforcement members that had requested access to her academic prototype, and she was looking for advice to how to scale it. And one of the fundamental challenges was really around funding. What would be the way to get this kind of work funded? And, um, you know, there were a lot of uh, progressive law enforcement members that were very interested in, in, in expressed the need for this type of tool. And we're talking about, you know, a tool to help identify missing children who have ended up in the commercial sex industry, to look at organized crime as a source of exploitation for victims, um, uh, traffic victims. But it was really unclear how to get this from just this academic work that was using discretionary research funds to really get it to a 24 by 7 operational tool. And so Emily and I, um, we worked together, and I joined Carnegie Mellon as research staff, and then we, we started this journey. And um, we were doing, you know, a lot of research uh, using the support of uh, the innovative entrepreneurship community to think about how we could get this done. And that's when, you know, the timing was so critical that we heard about the Uprise opportunity because we were trying to, to do something innovative in a social space, um, and we needed the right type of funding to get this off the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the work that you're doing is so powerful and, and the connection with Uprise just makes sense. It's interesting. We actually have another uh, a guest this season who coming up, I think, in a few weeks. And I imagine that he'll probably talk a little bit about some of the work his wife is doing in in the same space from a nonprofit perspective. I, I imagine that he'll bring that up because I know he's been critical in, in helping to shed some light on the work that uh, another local nonprofit rather is doing to, to really help and support the same work. So I'm glad there's so many great people doing this work in the region. So Erica, 
you know, you're uh, newer to this world and um, Uprise. So can you talk a little bit about your background and, um, you know, what you're doing for Uprise? Sure, I'd be happy to. So I came on um, to the IW staff in February um, to support Uprise. And I came from a public health social work background. So I was in a previous life, I was a medical social worker at the VA hospital in DC. And I worked there for four years inpatient with um, veterans who came into the hospital for any number of reasons. Anyone who was admitted for surgical or just general reasons when they came to the emergency room, I took care of them. Um, And I I worked in that setting for four years. And when I left, um, I left and I started my own design business. um, And I got involved with the startup and the tech um, startup community in D.C., through an event in DC called the Tech Stars Social Impact Weekend. Um, and I went really without knowing full well what the startup's ecosystem looked like, but I was excited. I'd heard great things. You know, I'd been working inside of the government where change happens. If change happens, it happens incredibly slowly. Um, and so I was really interested to see what was happening in that space and how quickly things could happen. Um, so I ended up competing in a Techstar Social Impact Weekend in D.C. Um, and pitched an idea that I had had for, a, for a, a long time that had been kind of floating around in my head, working inside of a system that felt so, um, you know, slow and, and broken in some ways. Um, so I, I got involved that way. And then when I returned to Pittsburgh, I was really intrigued by this opportunity to, again, work in a social impact space um, and work for work, you know, f- for IW and, and with um, BNY on on Uprise. So I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, you know, supporting the program now and doing a lot of the um, logistics and event management and the application cycle management. And I'm, I'm really excited about the season and, you know, that we've kicked off the cycle last night and we're, uh, we're ready to rock and roll. That's awesome. So what is a day in the life of, you know, what you're doing look like? <laughs> um, so I'm talking with a lot of people who are interested in Uprise and how can it help them and what, you know, their particular ideas. I love hearing about what, you know, what people are really focused on right now to hear about um, the application of technology to sex trafficking into this space. You know, there's things that I just haven't even considered and to hear how people are applying technology to these particular spaces is, is awesome. So, you know, I'm talking to a lot of people who are interested in competing. How do they compete and what does the application process look like and, and hooking them in that way? Um, and then working on the, the, the finer details of the events that we have, the event that we had last night, um, the application process itself, making sure that it goes as smoothly as possible. And that's kind of how I'm spending my days right now. And it's fun. Awesome. And the application is officially open as of what 7 30 last night as soon as the event ended um the application opened that's correct and when does it close and it closes um it closes midnight on september 30th so until Great. october so folks 1st have two months to really dive in talk to you figure out if they have a concept that works and then they can apply that's correct that's great so as we are, you know, launching into application season, Kenya, I want to bring it back to you. In the now three cycles, as we're starting number four, and we've heard a lot from Aranis, so I'm sure that's one of the stories you could share. But I'm thinking, is there another story from the time, from the previous cycles rather, that 
it hit you throughout the time, right, of this is exactly why we did Uprise. Of the, that was the ding, that was the moment, that was why we did it. Absolutely. The tagline for um, Uprise is that everybody wins. And the story I'm thinking of is it was after the first cycle. And, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, you know, not everyone is going to be, you know, the first, second, third place winner. But hearing the response back from the applicant saying that they really enjoyed going through the process, things that they learned, connections they made, the networking aspect, and how they were able to receive funding from other sources um, really, you know, held true to the everyone wins tagline. Um, the amount of applications that we received from the first cycle, we were blown away, you know, over 100, you know, applications for something that's brand new. We thought going into the second cycle, okay, that was sort of, you know, beginner's luck and receiving even more than a first. The same thing for the third. Um, we were often asked, you know, is there going to be a, a prize 5.0, 6.0? We say as long as there is demand and interest in this space, um, we don't want to do it just to do it, right? We want to make sure that there is truly a need um, and that we can support social impact, social innovation. Um, there has been some amazing, as we see from Marinus, amazing sort of, you know, ideas out there, you know, startups that, you know, struggle for funding and they have a dedicated resource for that is why we continue to do this. That's awesome. And uh, that made me think of a question, you know, Kara, that you won money, right? And that was wonderful. And you talked about that earlier. But what are some of the other benefits um, from being a part of Uprise? Well, I think that it was validation, you know, because we knew we, we were very interested in being a champion for victim-centered policing. We, we in the early years, um, this wasn't widely appreciated as, you know, kind of a standard practice that law enforcement should be equipped with certain types of tools and should be, you know, um, allocating kind of energy towards looking for hidden crimes. And um, we, we, so we had that vision. And I think that, you know, to have a major, like major groups put together this program and, you know, recognize that there are going to be social ventures that are really important and we need to get behind those groups and, and then help them execute on their goals. That that's what we needed because we were up against adversity for, for, for literally years and Emily, you know, starting this off in school and, and wanting to find a path to, to make it happen. So I think that, you know, it was really an emotional experience to be in the audience while Emily was up on stage, but to just feel the energy of the crowd and to know that, yes, like we have to keep pushing it. Eventually we did have the, the um, kind of breakthrough that we needed to get the infrastructure of Marinus analytics off the ground and then to do this work day in and day out. And it has been, it's very hard work. So I think that the energy from that has been really critical and it, we continue to keep in touch. And so I think that, you know, being part of like kind of the alumni is a great thing. And, um, you know, being right here in the North side and the energy that is, you know, helping um, small businesses in the tech sector. It's just really exciting. So it sounds like from you, you got a lot out of not just, of course, the the grant money, but also the network and the connections. Can you share a little bit more about one of those connections or how your network really expanded following Uprise? Um, there's definitely an ecosystem of support. And I think when, you know, again, I go back to the audience, I remember like looking out in the audience and just, it was almost like a who's who in terms of the support people in the community. 
um, there, there is just really like so much happening in terms of the professional services community. You know, the, the members who focus on companies like ours to provide support, the members of academia who are out there trying to see like, you know, the, the projects kind of launch out of uh, research in an academic environment and to make that societal impact. Um, and then our peers, you know, just like fellow entrepreneurs who are starting companies. And, it, and it, over the years, it's just people that we continue to keep in touch with at every kind of stage and challenge that we face. We have this rich community that we can reach out to. That's fantastic. That actually makes me think. So Erica, this year, one of the benefits, and I know we've done this in the past, but I, th- I think you're planning to format it a little differently. So Kara talked about, of course, the the benefit of the network and the who's who to be able to support, but you're also planning to expand on some of the educational resources that Uprise has provided to the applicants and the winners in the past. Can you share a little bit more about what your your plan is around, how how to engage the applicants in kind of that Continue it, continued learning program. So um, we are doing a boot camp this year um, for applicants that come in to, to Uprise to really give them exposure to good, um, you know, business planning aspects. So how do you write a good business plan? People, people, there are a lot of people, you know, like the space that I was in as a social worker who have great ideas and maybe have a, you know, are competing with a prototype and have gotten to that point, but really need to think on a larger level. How do you, how do you run a business successfully? How do you write a good business plan? So we're really working on a boot camp that gives people those skills in order to have a successful business. Um, So right now we're still kind of thinking through that. But, you know, writing business plans, thinking about sales, how do you do a good sales pitch and not thinking about sales as a sort of gross, grimy things. No, sales are a really necessary part of, of any successful business. Um, and making sure that applicants, again, as to what Kenya was saying about everybody wins, even if you don't advance through all of the cycles and then, or, you know, end up being a finalist, um, making sure that that everybody does win because they get exposure to these educational resources. So it sounds like you really listen to, you know, the people who have applied and you've talked to them and they've told you what they think they needed and you're providing that this year. We're sure trying. Yeah, <laughs> we're sure trying to, to get them the educational resources that they need. And the other big feedback that I've gotten is that there are a lot of people in Pittsburgh. It's so encouraging to me to hear how many people there are who are interested in social impact, who are interested in social innovation. And how do we connect them with one another? Because to Kara's point, so much of this is about the network. Um, and it's about being able to tap in to the resources that you need and to get that validation that you need when you're feeling kind of down. Is this even a good idea? Can we even do this? But really being able to tap into that um, and and move forward. And you'll provide all the applicants, or I'm sorry, I should say all the semifinalists and the finalists with mentor connection and added support through how to pitch and all of that, right? Correct. Okay. That's great. I mean, you're really leaving with this package of an experience and you walk out, like you said, and, and Kenya said as well, everyone really does win at the end of it. You've, you've really you know, sharpened your tools and your toolbox. It's wonderful. I love it. And, and so, Kenya, I feel like I know your answer to this, but do you feel that Uprise has been successful at engaging socially driven solutions in the region? 
Absolutely. Um, but, you know, but as Erica said earlier, you know, we continue to evaluate its mm-hmm. impact, right? If you would notice, you know, from the 2015 launch event, now we're in, you know, cycle four in, in 2019, every single um, competition is a slightly different Right. We want to make sure that we're responsive um, to, you know, the applicants and, you know, ultimately to our community. Um, but overall, absolutely. <laughs> it, it is great, as you know, Kara mentioned earlier, that it true. We're building an alumni network and it's like we're seeing all of our kids go off and come back and go off and come back. And whether they're, you know, serving in, you know, mentoring capacities or, you know, being evaluators for applications, um, just seeing that their desire to make sure the uprise is, is thriving is, is really touching. Can I just add to that? Because I don't know that you're fully aware of all the current developments that are happening with us, but right here in Pittsburgh, to have had this support, and we were also supported, of course, by Carnegie Mellon and Pittsburgh law enforcement. Um, the Today, the work that we're doing, there's so much appreciation coming from law enforcement in the United Kingdom, throughout the European Union, for the, the having the access to these types of tools. And to try to mitigate around the uh, sources of exploitation for adolescents online. So I, the, in terms of the impact, I mean, this, the, the support that was provided is now having an international reach. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm sure it's probably, I think you're a little further along than probably some of the other teams that went through. But I would say that's probably something other folks that have gone through Uprise can probably look towards in the future and future applicants and participants could also really look towards down the road as well. That's wonderful. So Kara, one thing that I think would be really significant for for folks listening who have either participated in the past and are still kind of getting getting things off the ground and for future applicants to understand is where have you gone since Uprise as far as follow-on investment follow-on contracts, what, what does that look like since, uh, since the Uprise experience? Sure. Um, we received the Uprise, you know, at the end of 2015. Um, I think the major catalyst for us was to receive a National Science Foundation SBIR award. And so that has been a phase one award along with a phase two. And then in addition to that, there's been some uh, some smaller amounts of social prize money by large corporations like Toyota that we received that has, that have, that has been supportive. And um, we are working aggressively to be on a path of sustainability. So we provide software as a service, and we have um, municipalities, state government, federal law enforcement that subscribe to Traffic Jam. And in addition to that, um, we've been awarded contracts to apply our experience and technology on other sources of data. So this is, you know, this has really been, you know, kind of a layer by layer just building up from the foundation that started with the Uprise. That's fantastic. So, so we can, you can really say that Uprise is impacting the world, you know, from southwestern Pennsylvania, it's impacting the entire world. So have you gotten a lot of good response and reception locally? So, you know, oftentimes we hear of folks, they're, they're getting some great contracts from, as you said, all over the country, all over the world. And oftentimes, though, they're not getting necessarily the response locally with, uh, you know, in your case, it would be local law enforcement. Is that the case or are you you're working closely with folks here? 
Yes, we had, um, some kind of the early adopters were based right okay. here in Pittsburgh. And it's through their feedback that we guided the development of Traffic Jam, the features and, and um, you know, kind of the, the, the major, you know, use cases for the tool. And so it's really wonderful now, like flash forward to the present from the work that, that, that took place, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014, where we can go to these international uh, law enforcement members and they can, you know, basically benefit from that that long development um, and, and all the insight that came from U.S. law enforcement members to have things that are, you know, well-tuned, well-refined. Um, we, we just have, you know, so many cases that have benefited from having this kind of a tool. And so we, we, we are continually hearing feedback on the international side uh, around how, you know, thankful they are to have this this type of a tool. The, the problem has spread. So, it, it, you know, the problem that we're trying to address is kind of the unintended consequences of modern technology and, you know, the way we socialize and, and communicate over the Internet. And so I think, you know, when we first started, other regions didn't have the same kind of manifestation of that problem. But it has, like, now they're dealing with it. And they're thinking about how do we protect the vulnerable members of our community, including minors and children, from the unintended consequences of having these very powerful global communications and open Internet. And, um, yeah, so definitely. Uh, and, and if I may just add just one point here to just say that when we first started, we, we had this machinery um, research that came out of the Robotics Institute, and it was uh, applied to uh, looking at the commercial sex industry and helping support policing of sex trafficking investigations. And when we went through kind of the typical business, you know, accelerator, um, like pitches, we, we could not see kind of the bigger opportunity, but the, we've kind of turned a corner where... There is wide recognition of a, of a phase that we're in that's, you know, termed digital transformation. And so a lot of uh, people have gone electronic, you know, in government records and other, you know, tools where they're using structured information. You know, maybe 20 years ago, we were, we were using paper, then we were using, you know, structured electronic records. So the next phase that we're entering into is how do we work with unstructured information? And a lot of technology groups, big players are thinking about how their systems can work with unstructured information, but we're doing it in these very specific um, areas for public, public good, policing, human services. And um, now we realize that uh, really there's a need for tools in so many different applications. And so we have the foundation, the capabilities that we can be continuing to provide tools for uh, that, that are in the public interest. So we're really excited about this and that, you know, we were provided the support to get to this point. Tell us about the technology. How does the platform work? How does when a law enforcement officer want to access this information on so on the one end and then on the other end what what does that look like well the one of the primary use cases is to support detectives in motivational interviews so they may go out in the community and have a chance to interact with a p- potential victim of sex trafficking and we want them to be able 
to come into that conversation, which what with much more thoughtful uh, background on on what the plight of this victim may have involved, so that they can have a more targeted conversation. Victims tend to not self-identify, and they have been coerced in many cases to give a pre-scripted alibi to those who are trying to help them. So that's where they need to have good information going to do their job and to be into that to come into that conversation. So what we do is we look at the open web. We're looking at a lot of content on the open web that's used for advertising commercial sex. We data mine this information and it's unstructured. It comes from different sources. It's text, it's emojis, it's images. And what we do is we we pull the insights from that unstructured data and we summarize it quickly and neatly so that the detectives can quickly understand what's the history here. And then they go out into the community and they're trying to help victims of sex trafficking. Now, this concept can be extended. So now we're doing work with social workers who work in human services, and they're out there to help families in need. And so if we can put the same engine on top of their internal records, they can do a better job of sifting through what could be literally hundreds of documents and documentation on the history of of human services with that family. And we really want them to be able to get that information quickly, um, have the ability to drill and sift through and filter that information so that they can go out and and work with those in the community in in need and not be inhibited by technology technical barriers. Um, These professions are very difficult. They're dealing with like very difficult issues, but technology shouldn't be the point of frustration. We should come up with ways to, you know, bring together the power of AI innovation that exists in the tech sector, but put it, bring it into a tool for these professionals. So Erica, I imagine that probably would have been pretty significant, right? When you worked for the VA. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I mean, how do you think, of course, speculatively, would that have been helpful for you during your time at the VA? And maybe ideally one day something like this in in the same context of what you had created could be utilized by service providers like like the VA and and what what Kara and her team are doing. I mean it's it's enormously helpful when you it, when you think about especially I'm thinking about some of my highest need patients when I was in that environment. They're being seen by so many different entities, both inside the VA. The VA is a unique system because it's a closed system. So you have folks coming to the primary care doctor. They're coming inpatient to the hospital so I can see all the records. But they're also seeing people and, and providers out in the community, you know. And so I had very little understanding of what was happening when they're out in the community. And so if there was something pulling all of that data together in order to see the broader picture of what this person's psychosocial situation looks like, it would be enormously helpful. If I may add two points to that, it's that like some of the major major pain points that we're trying to overcome is that you don't want people asking the same questions over and over again. And we need to get to a more meaningful conversation. And sometimes in these more difficult situations, we have these pre predetermined alibis or scripts. And so if you're asking somebody to be forthcoming about substance abuse or about other difficult topics, you have to have you know, more insights to help lead the questioning in that conversation. And those are some of the the areas that we're helping to innovate. So, you know, we have the three of you in the room, and I want to make sure we are able to provide some advice to the folks listening. So um, 
whichever order, you know, whether it's advice for entrepreneurs who, you know, are trying to start a company, whether it's advice for the folks who are going to be applying to Uprise. Well, I'll just recommend that if you're really passionate, if you, if you have something that you're very passionate about and, um, you know, even if you, you feel like you can't find the right fit, that you persevere, um, because we were part of kind of a cohort and a generation, then um, we're not talking about that many years ago, but where social impact investment hadn't really come into fruition. Things changed so quickly. And so we, you know, through perseverance, now this is more greatly recognized. So I think that if you're really passionate about something to, you know, stick with it, um, because for us, this has really proven that, you know, we got through some of those initial hurdles and now we're in a more of an operating stage where, um, yeah, we can move forward now. I, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's really good advice in terms of passion. I think that, um, I'm really encouraging people who are even in a very early stage to be thinking about maybe this uprise cycle, they're not yet ready, but really thinking about taking that passion and funneling it and taking concrete steps forward in order to get ready. Um, and, and I've been trying to do my best, and this is the social worker in me, um, to really provide people with the resources that we need. We're in such a research-rich community. And if you have an idea and you don't yet have a prototype, reach out. We can help get you connected into ways to develop that and to develop um business plans and all of these sort of things so that even if this cycle isn't your cycle, you know, potentially future ones may be. And I know that the questions on the application are so thoughtful and um, could just be a really great um, test for an entrepreneur to fill out those questions and see where they are, you know, the questions about product and um, what stage you're at could really be the place to start. And maybe that's what you build your business plan from. My advice is we have no preconceived notion on what a winning sort of solution will be. So one, apply. Um, my second point of advice um, goes back to at, at least two different cycles. Um, looking at the event that we had last night, it was it was the launch event. I had, you know, some folks come up and say, this is absolutely wonderful. I think this is great. I wish I could find someone, you know, to apply. And, you know, I would ask the question, well, wh why are you here? I thought that this would make sense for me to apply, but after, you know, hearing about it, you know, um, it didn't seem like it was, it was for me. And, you know, digging a little bit deeper, I, you know, asked the question, you know, well, what is your, your sort of idea? What is your solution? And sure enough, it was something that made sense and fell under yeah. social innovation, right? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes people think that innovation has to be new or shiny, not understanding it could mm -hmm. be just a, a small pivot on an existing, you know, product or solution. Mm -hmm. um, so that is advice we give all the time. It does not have to be brand new. It, you know, it, it could literally be perfecting something that's already out there. What we're ultimately interested in is, um, and the impact that it will create. And you've seen a lot of companies or teams in the past, since it's both companies and teams who do apply, where they've had a different product or a different concept. And after having a conversation with you or others involved in Uprise, they've applied and actually gone pretty far. And they now have a new, a, a new kind of focus and product that doesn't take away from the other, but only enhances that. Is that correct? Multiple times. Okay. Yes. Multiple times. So it really does sound like Uprise is for everyone. Everyone wins. And everyone wins. <laughs> everyone wins. <laughs> I love it. So we want to make sure all of our listeners can find each of you in in the modes that you want to be found, of course. Uh, 
digitally. So Erica, where can our listeners learn more about Uprise online, on social media? You tell us. We're everywhere. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm easiest reached by email, um, hello at uprise.org, um, or by Twitter, where, you know, at Uprise. Um, and I, th- I think that's probably the best way. All the information is on the website, uprise.org. Um, you can find information about the application itself is there and then information about all the past winners. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Kara. Go to our website. There's a lot of rich information about the case studies and the type of work that we do. And then if you'd like to reach out to me, I'm Kara at MarinusAnalytics.com. Thank you. And Kenya. LinkedIn. 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 Wow, that's LinkedIn. great. <laughs> I like it. And I actually, isn't there a good up, uprise presence on LinkedIn too, right? Yeah. There's Absolutely. a group. There's an uprise group on LinkedIn. I like it. We got all the all the mediums here. We got email. We got website, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, Twitter. It's, that's the way to go. This is great. Wonderful. This is a really great conversation. I loved learning about each of you and, and more about Marinus. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us. You heard it here, everyone. Uprise 2019-2020 officially launched here, here to really support all the wonderfully socially driven and impactful pieces of technology. Reach out to these fine folks if you want to learn more. And until next time, have a great day. Innovation Works is the Southwestern Pennsylvania Ben Franklin Technology Partner. Music created by Ethan Ziegler, Startable alum. Special thanks to our Season 2 producer, Sidekick Media Services.